Welcome again to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. The vision is actually to engage dads in raising a godly generation by the reinvigoration of the church on the fathering front. So, men, uh, there's a lot of distraction out there during this season as we wrap up the year. So this podcast series is talking about and challenging dads to stand firm uh, as you uh, face all the challenges that go with the uh, the craziness of the end of the year. So uh, I want to introduce my dear friend, Pastor Von Juan, is a founding pastor of Space City Church. He's yes. with us again on this discussion. Awesome. Uh, blessing to have you here. Oh, man, it's a blessing. Thanks for having me. I know you're a pastor, you're an awesome husband and father and a great God guy. Yes. Uh, and uh, have uh, provided insight as we work through the ideas of dad standing firm. Uh, have you, uh, in, in, I know it's, you're, you're, a, you're a trackster, so I know yeah. standing firm, standing may not be your, your strong suit. Right, right, come on. <laughs> but uh, in Ephesians, uh, Paul always challenges us to stand firm. Yes. And when we've done everything else, to stand. Stand, yes. And uh, I know that that standing has a lot to do with our relationship with Jesus the Christ. Absolutely. Uh, share a little bit about uh, how you have taken a stand uh, for your family and, yeah. and particularly as you go into the season. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love the word that you say stand. You know, when I was uh, going to Lakewood years ago, uh, before they went to the compact center, they would actually, um, you know, ask you to raise your hand or you'd normally already be uh, standing. And uh, You're talking in the days of John. I'm talking John about Jack in the day. Yeah. Yes, okay. indeed. All right. But as they moved to compact center, they would do things a little different. Everyone would be sitting and he would and he would say, if you want to give your life to the Lord, stand up. Right. So as I was sitting there, uh, I remember standing up and again, man, just feeling like chains breaking off of my life. And that was a moment where you have to understand at that time in Houston, multiple guys were getting these million dollar rap contracts. And I was in the thick of the secular music scene. And my group, the guys I was working with, was talking to Sony and Universal. So for me at that time, none of my friends were serving God. Mm. So it wasn't like a popular thing. It wasn't like, you know, you see time this guy gets saved and so his friends get saved. Now, I, I had to make a decision. And it, and I knew that if I made the decision, I grew up in church, so I knew I couldn't play around. If I said yes, I had to cancel every show that was coming because that was keeping me from doing it. I would feel the tug of God, but I had an album coming out in three months. I had to feel the tug of God, but I had a big concert in six months, so I wouldn't do it. So in that moment, I said, you know what? This is going to be a stand for my daughter that's been born, for my son that my wife is pregnant with right now. And regardless of who the next person is in, in the neighborhood to get a million-dollar contract, who the next person is I see on BET, I'm going to make this decision. And I stood up. And with that decision came uh, changing how I did music not being able to use profanity, not being able to glorify um, a lot of things that I was glorifying. At that time, it's funny now, nobody uses MySpace, but at that time, MySpace was the big deal. Right. And I made a decision. I said, I'm going to take a stand, and I'm deleting my MySpace page. It has all my music. It has all these followers on there. But I'm trying to detach myself from everything that's glorifying the world. I think it's John 4, 4, one that says, man, uh, be a friend of the world and you're an enmity, you're an enemy to God. Mm -hmm. And that scripture really stuck to me. I said, man, I can't straddle the fence. I have to make a decision, especially when I first got saved. I had to say no to smoking drugs, to smoking weed, and you know, friends wanting to call you and say, hey, man, you want to go smoking? When all you do is hang out with people that smoke, you think everybody smokes. You think right, that's the right. norm. 
But it takes taking a stand, stepping outside of that circle and realizing that's a small circle of people who don't have hope, don't have dreams, or don't have faith, who don't have the peace of God, and that's why they're living that life. So it was all those things, man, taking a stand and saying, I'm going to focus on my wife, not trying to see if I could please uh, 30 women, but, hey, can I please one woman for 30 years, Amen. right? Amen. So those were a lot of things that I started to make a decision on, and God rewarded quickly. I praise God for ministries. I praise God for my wife's uncle at Faith uh, Christian Center, at Faith Assembly, that I said I came to him and said, hey, I don't want to do music that I was making. I'd love to do these events with some Christian hip-hop and poetry. And he actually gave me keys to the youth building, and he said, any young man wanting to do something for God, I'll support and he poured into me and gave me an opportunity and a platform to share the ambition of what God had put inside of me. So I always challenge people, man, when somebody comes to you and they're wanting to do something for God, man, throw a little gasoline on that fire, man. Give them that encouragement because you don't know um, what they'll do if they don't have an opportunity to shine a light for God. I feel like that's why a lot of people backslide, a lot of people go the wrong way because they don't have that person patting them on the back and pushing them in the right direction. Um, so even more important reason to be a great father and for me to be a guy that my kids look look up to and on one of my songs I remember that was a lyric you know I want to be a man uh, I can't say that but basically saying I don't want to be a man just that my son looks up to because I have money and I'm famous I want to be a man that my son respects mm -hmm. I want to be a man that my son looks up and says, man I want to be like him when I get older mm -hmm. and I saw that so much growing up that kids that um, the world would look to and say, man, he's doing a good thing. But if you look at his son, the son didn't respect him. You know, the buddy of mine told me there's a lot of millionaires that he works with. He said, Vaughn, be glad you may not be rich. You may not have all the things you want. But he said, but I work. He's an attorney. He said, I've got guys that are millionaires, but their wife doesn't respect them. The kids don't respect them, and no amount of money can buy the respect of their sons and their wife, right? Exactly right. So, That's man, exactly for any right. any men out there, it's not about chasing the gold and the silver. You know, it's about uh, just focusing on following the word of God, you know, and making a stand, you know, not doing what the world wants to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, t I think about the illustration of the maestro um, in the orchestra, right? He has this amazing group of people in front of him and he's putting together s some sounds and some sequences and I mean the trumpet's doing this thing the tr all these areas but for him to be able to lead this beautiful thing he has to turn his back on the crowd mm -hmm. he can't face the crowd and let this and orchestrate what he has in front of him and God wants to orchestrate something amazing in a lot of people's lives but they aren't willing to turn their back on the crowd right? Exactly right so you've got to be able to stand and say I'm not going to speak like this you know, in my house, and, and I say this humbly, my kids have never seen alcohol in my home. Hmm. There's, been, there's no beer in the fridge. There's no wine in the fridge. We don't have that in our home. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we've taken a stand there. So it's just the, the small things sometimes. Sure, sure, you know what sure. I mean? Your language. Yeah. So those are some things I've mm -hmm. definitely tried to take a stand, me and my wife, to help lead our kids down the right path. Now you you said it was your uncle that opened the door to the John, uh, Johnny McDuff. Johnny down, McDuff. Yeah, not too far from here at uh, okay. Faith Assembly of God. But he yes, he saw you and your sufferings. Yes. And he knew that your sufferings were going to 
create some perseverance, perseverance yes. character. Come on. And character is the hope that you're talking about. Because yes. there is a lot of folks don't have hope because right. they don't even recognize their suffering. That's right. Wow. That's good. <laughs> so, you, so you have to realize that, that the gentleman that you know, your uncle said that said, I this young man's on the right track. Right. And of course that's Romans five, uh, three through five there yes. that says that hope never disappoints because that's the love of God poured into us yes. through the Holy Spirit. So that hope is what uh, you stepped into, mm. and that's the journey that you were you were on. As as you uh, start to to look at at uh, the building of that uh, that that uh, uh, that that uh, sequence, if you will, yes. to to move forward. How how did uh, how does that translate as you as you started to realize that your perseverance was starting to pay off yes and you're building a character that you wanted your kids to have yes and how did how did when did you start to see that start to flow? right away mm-hmm. right away I think you know that moment with my my uncle doing that was the catalyst to everything mm-hmm. because it was a moment when I said yes mm-hmm. and God also said yes mm-hmm. at the same time okay and from the first event, Somebody gave their life to the Lord. I don't think it was a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but it, it might have been one or two people that, that raised their hand. Sure and I wasn't, even, I wasn't even bold enough to do it myself. I went through the whole event, and then I called my uncle on stage, and he, he, he mentored me. He said, hey, we're just going to call it Real Talk. You don't have to preach to share your story, and if you need me to come up at the end. And I got through as much of it as I could, and I brought him on stage, and we helped lead some people to Jesus that night. And the feeling was amazing. Oh. Another time I was on stage doing a concert in Galveston, um, shortly after I got saved. And I remember being on stage in a nightclub with the same amount of guys trying to do it for the world. But I found myself on stage with a, men of God, Christians, and on stage crying because God was showing me, this is what I created you for. That's right. You thought you were supposed to do this. But just those doors opening. And my whole thing was it seemed like every time I went to one event, two other churches would ask me to come to their event. And I was working with a guy named Trey Nine. And he'd bring me to his shows. And I'd do all the gigs he had and all the ministry events he had, and then people would invite me to my ministry events, and just the favor of God was on what I was doing. Sure. And uh, and I remember going into the prison and doing a jail ministry and just seeing these guys that looked like murderers, weeping, you know, just listening to the story. So I said, you know, it 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 humbles you, and it shows you that it's not about you. That's right. And if you just humble yourself, and if you just take a stand, that there's so many other people tied to your obedience. And that's another thing. So many people are trying to wait to take that stand for themselves. You got to take the stand for your ministry. And when I say ministry, man, there's a ministry tied to your life. There's people that are assigned to your story and to your obedience and to the blessing and the anointing that you have on your life. And when you are disobedient, you're not just blocking your blessing. You're blocking the blessing of your children. You're blocking the blessing of your friends, your family, and every person that you could and would encounter, Right. I was obedient recently and taking the opportunity to start um, a TV program. And I've done it in the past, but I didn't think that the resources were there, the time was there. But I said, let me do it. And we started uh, on CW39 every Saturday at 1130, the Vaughn One Show. Mm-hmm. And we're showing music videos and I'm showing preaching clips. But we always have that ministry moment where we give people an opportunity to say yes to God. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, man, who's, who's watching this? You know, most people watching college football at that time. But a girl came to my church and she said um, that her husband is incarcerated. And then on Saturdays at the Harris County Jail, they've been watching the Vaughn One show on Saturdays. And the mm. first weekend, it was five guys. And next week, it was 10 guys. He said, recently, last week, about 25 guys were watching the Vaughn One show. And I know I'll give them that <laughs> message of Christ. Yeah. So what if I was disobedient? Right. 
You know, what if I didn't say yes to God 2007? And a lot of times people miss their, what I call their seed assignment. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it takes a woman nine months to give birth to a child. Um, and if they wanted to have that baby in September, then she would need to conceive in January, mm -hmm. right? To be obedient to have that baby in September. But what the devil does a lot of times, God wants that baby here in September, but the devil distracts you in January, February, and March. Mm -hmm. And that baby doesn't get here till January of the next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking that baby inside of you, that dream inside of you, that vision inside of you. And the devil just wants to distract you and you miss your seed assignment, right? Sure, sure. I can say, hey, Rick, man, I, I've got season tickets to the Cowboys, man. Would you want them? Not to the Cowboys. Right, to not the to the Cowboys, to the Chiefs. So if it was the Chiefs, <laughs> you'd say yes. But if I came back and said, well, they're from last season. You know, they're not as valuable. And sure. I feel a lot of times we offer God yeah. season tickets from last year, yeah, yeah. we offer him opportunities. So I think well said, taking yeah. a stand is not only about taking a stand, but taking a stand in the right time. Because right delayed time. obedience is disobedience, right. right? So I think that's the important thing is, man, taking a stand and making sure that you don't miss your blessing, man, that you don't miss that seed assignment. And that's a, that's the powerful thing about, you know, again, in your sufferings and your perseverance, your character that you have now, mm that the the hope was always there and the, the yes. hope is the kind of the culmination of all of that and right. we realize that that uh in, in, you know, as i look at uh, preparing for the christmas season i think of the advent you know yes. I, as you know i grew up catholic yeah. I, I worship at a methodist church now but i hang out with a lot of baptist presbyterians pentecostals yeah. we're all the body of christ but the advent has something that always has stuck with me through yes. the catholic church because there's, you've got the four sundays before christmas that mm -hmm. you're building up your faith and of course, the first Sunday is hope. Hope, yeah. And, and that hope is something that never disappoints, right? Yes, yes. But it's in your hope that your faith really, you started to see how God is working. So your faith was just strengthened to another level. Yes. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I think I had hope when, <clears throat> excuse me, when my uh, uncle gave me the opportunity. That brought mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. When I saw that somebody actually responded to the ministry event, that brought a little more hope, you know, and as that, you know, faith is the substance of things hope for right mm -hmm. so of course as i saw these things that i was hoping for coming to fruition it began to strengthen my faith and a lot of times the problem is when you're hopeless right and that's what's so beautiful about the christmas season as we read the word of god faith coming by hearing hearing by the word of god when you hear the story and you read the story it should fill you with hope it should give you that gasoline that you need to get to that next day mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. hope is your story, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible teaches that we overcome, right? Hope is overcoming. If you can overcome something and you know you can overcome, then you have hope. If you think you can't overcome, you're going to be hopeless, right? And it says, faith come, uh, uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, right, and the word of our testimony. So I think more people need to be willing to share their story. You know, I tell people I'm not proud of my past. I'm proud it's my past, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's not always an easy thing to share some of my shortcomings or things through my family or, you know, but I know that that ugliness, those scars that you talk about, um, help other people. You right. know, you, right. if I show you, hey, man, look at this scar I got when I was 13, and right. I show you, you know what you're going to you be like, oh, check this one out I had on, right? When we become comfortable sharing our scars, other people sure. become comfortable sharing their scars. And sure. so many times we don't have the conversations, right? The Bible mm -hmm. teaches us that we, you know, ask God for forgiveness, right? We, we, co we confess our sins to gain forgiveness from God, but to, to gain healing, we have to confess our sins to one another. But there's, so, there's a brokenness there in relationships and with people and with man. You know, we don't even want to humble ourselves to friends. We don't want accountability. And that's why we stay 
hurt. That's why we continue to stay bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. Hurt people, mm -hmm. hurt people, right? And mm -hmm. it's not a good thing for us to walk around bleeding. We need to be healed people, whole people that can pour into this next generation, to right. our children, to our daughters, to our sons. So I think hope is a very important thing. And again, I, I think it's environment. You know, if mm -hmm. you're around people who are always discouraging, who always have negative things to say, how's that gonna bring hope? When mm -hmm. you, there's just certain people, and you know those people when you get around them, and you just light up when you see them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, man, you look good today. Man, man, I was good, man, I've been praying for you, man. Man, has God got a blessing for you? So you need to be around those people that are gonna speak life into you. And I think that's a big part of hope is making sure that the seeds that are hitting your soil are positive seeds. Sure, absolutely. So the hope led to a strengthening of the faith because yes. it was in faith that you stepped forward. Right, right. And so it all comes around. Now, now you're seeing glimpses of God's glory that would be the third week of Advent is joy. Yes. That joy. Sure, some of the, the glimpses are obviously in the eyes of your daughter, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, faith is the something's hope for, I think, joy. Uh, I love joy because happiness, we know, is temporary. Happiness is circumstantial, should right, I say. Right, right. Right? Get a new car, get a new job, you know, your favorite show's on TV, Chiefs win the game, you're happy. Chiefs get blown out. I'm not, happy, not I'm so happy, happy right? <laughs> not so happy, you know. I uh, saw so Patrick Mahomes just had his, his new baby boy. He's happy. He's happy, yeah. But, you know, if they lose a the game next week, then the spirits are going to be down. Sure. But the thing sure. is about joy, joy is not temporary. Joy is, man, joy is the love of Christ. Joy is tied into God's glory. Joy mm -hmm. is, man, even when my day is going bad, even though I'm not happy, I still have joy because I know why I have a promise. That's why the understanding the hope in Christ is important. That's why understanding the faith in Christ is important, right? Faith is a subject of things hoped for, right? So I tell people, um, I, I, if you can imagine an empty swimming pool, right? And that empty swimming pool is your faith, right? That container, that emptiness. And the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that he's willing to do exceedingly above anything you could think or ask. Mm -hmm. So if you can have empty swimming pool faith, God is saying, I have the glory to fill that emptiness, that faith that you have to the overflow, Absolutely. right? That hope. So we need empty swimming pool faith. And no matter what the size of your faith is, God is saying, I can fill it. Sure. I challenge people to have empty Grand Canyon faith. Mm -hmm. Even if you have empty Grand Canyon faith, he still said Ephesians 3.20, I'm able to do exceedingly above anything you could think or ask. So if you you can think or ask it. If you have Grand Canyon faith, God is saying, I can do exceedingly above that, right? Exactly. And the thing is about it, God's greatest ideas, uh, our greatest ideas are God's basement thoughts, sure. right? Sure. His ways are not our ways. His, uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. The problem with most Christians, they don't have empty swimming pool faith. They don't have empty Grand Canyon faith. They have empty communion cup faith. There you go. <laughs> and God can't do much with empty communion cup faith. You understand right, me? Right. So that's why we have to have the hope. That's why we have to have this faith, this amazing faith, knowing that God's going to come through. And when you have that, then you can have joy. You can enjoy right. yeah, joy yeah. to the full. Joy, joy to the full. The angels of yeah. the shepherds heard on high. You know, he knows our beginning joy. from our end. Mm -hmm. You see some people watch a movie for the first time. And all those suspense moments, and you see a husband and a wife, and the, and the woman's ready to jump, but the guy's seen the movie already, so he's not jumpy. He knows that what's coming around the corner. He knows that car's about to explode. He knows what's going on. So for us that don't have that faith and that hope, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't. We feel like we don't know if God's going to come through, so we don't have that joy. Mm. But man, when you've already seen the movie, when you know that God is the beginning and the end, 
the Alpha and Omega. When you know that he's an author and finisher of our faith, you can have joy because you already know how the story ends. And then they, they, I win. We win in the end, right? So and God you is good. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what peace is. You can sit back and you can chill. You're not stressed out. He's Jehovah Shalom, right? You know that in the end, right? I tell people we have Romans eight twenty eight that says all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to your to his purpose. That's where the peace comes in. You know, I used to live in a in an area where if you came into this our neighborhood, if you made a right, you'd end up at our house, or if you made a left, you'd end up at our house, no matter what direction. And I tell people that's what Romans eight twenty. If you go to the right. And you in alignment with God, you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. Even if you make that left turn, you're going to end up. The problem is, the Bible says, um, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when a mind's double-minded, he doesn't know which way to go. He ends up not getting anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want to be double-minded, right? When you don't have that hope, when you don't have that faith, when you don't have that joy, you're double-minded. But when you have all those things in place... You're not a double-minded man. You can make a decision. You know all things work together, and you have that peace, knowing who God is and that he came, he died. You understand the story of Christ, and that's why it's so important that we let our children know the truth of the gospel. It's not about anything that you can do, right? Grace is free, right? You don't deserve it. You can't earn it, but it's a blessing that we all have, this unmerited favor, right? Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I think about I think about T.D. Jakes, man, for, what do you say? Favor ain't fair. You know what I mean? But because of that, I get I have this peace that's just what the Bible say, uh, a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's a, that's a Rome, that's a Philippians four six and Come seven. On. That uh, and, and you your don't memory, be anxious your, about anything. And your mem your memory is immaculate, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my forgetter is getting pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but on. Uh, yeah, the, the, that we would uh, uh, not be anxious about anything, yes. but in everything with prayer, supplication, supplication with, yes. thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, again, Come on. Uh, that's good. We we uh, present our request to God. Then the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. Will come. Mm. Now, uh, it's always Im uh, impactful to remind men, uh, like you say, joy doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. Yeah. Joy is, is knowing that God's in control. The peace is the same thing. Uh, shalom does not mean everything's going to be pretty and lovely. Yes. It means that you're going, to have, you're going to have the positive state of rightness and well-being in the midst of your battles. Yes. So you know that God's in control. You're going to do what you can do, and you know God's got the rest. Yes, absolutely. And so that's, uh, that's our charge to you dads as, yeah. as we wrap up this, uh, this uh, podcast that uh, we would encourage you to, to look at this Advent week leading up to Christmas that you would spend some time talking about hope. That, uh, that Vaughn shared with us, that you'd uh, practice and exemplify the faith in, in our living Lord, that uh, as we celebrate his birth coming up, that you have a faith that is your relationship with him. And then that joy, that uh, Grand Canyon joy, Come that uh, he can fill that up. Yes, and indeed. then finally, uh, the peace that surpasses understanding. So dads, as, uh, as Christmas warms up, gets closer, uh, do what you need to do ahead of time to be on the right page, lead your children, prepare Prepare them for the Christ child's birth. That's the reason for the season, and that's the dad you're called to be, and that's the dad the next generation is. Godspeed. <laughs>